Real quick, some plugs and ways to contact us. Debatablepodcast.tumblr.com. It's our blog, perfect place to stream and download the episodes. Of course, we've got links to iTunes, too. Facebook.com slash debatablepodcast. Go over there and like us. Leave us questions and comments. If you'd like to email us those questions and comments, debatablepodcast at gmail.com. And we are debatablepod on Twitter. I'm still Mr. Greggles, M-I-S-T-E-R-G-R-E-G-G-L-E-S. You can still send us correspondence through there. But debatablepod is our new Twitter. You do know how to spell debatable, don't you? I hope at this point you do. I couldn't stay away. I thought it was out, but they pulled me back in. Uh, the Debatable Podcast was on hiatus, but this is a very special episode, a very timely episode. That's why I wanted to get it out. Keith Phipps, the uh, founder and editorial director of The Dissolve, joins me. You might know him uh, formerly of his work with the AV Club, where he was a film critic uh, and a media critic. They uh, they wore a lot of hats over there at uh, the AV Club. Uh, we do a lot of talking about The Dissolve. We talk about how it is a new destination for cinema. We talk about Keith uh, where Keith started, how he got into uh, being a film critic, and uh, kind of his history, his his career up until now. Uh, we kind of talk about the, the the advantages and the new things that set uh, uh, the Dissolve apart from AV Club, and uh, it's a very good talk. I was very happy to have him on the program. It was something we've been kind of planning for a few months now, and even though we took the hiatus and took the break, um, he is one of two people that uh, I'm... I, I had to get an interview with even if I was on break. So I wanted to, to put this one up and hopefully that other interview is going to be happening very soon. And while we're at it, why don't I tell you to go on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Uh, you know, the more, the bigger the spotlight on the podcast, uh, the the larger audience that it can get to. Um, so yeah, please go on over there and help us out. Uh, if you have, you know, positive things to say. If you have negative things to say, sure, go ahead and do that too. But please leave your address. I also wanted to mention Only God Forgives, which uh, I think currently has the 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, A lot of critics not liking this movie. I think uh, it was, you know, to be expected, actually. It's kind of a backlash to how much uh, good press and uh, good reviews that Drive got. Um... I loved it. I loved the movie. I was ambivalent about the night. The, the night that I saw it, I was ambivalent about it. But uh, currently, I feel like it's given me so much to chew on and to think about. And there's, there's like, deep tragedy in there and meaning. And, you know, there's a lot to pick apart and talk about. It's a, it's a movie that you should see with people and talk about afterwards. It's one of those movies. And not in a, in a way that we need to figure out a, a, a mystery, kind of like uh, what is the... The, what are the time travel uh, ramifications of a movie like Looper? But there's certainly a lot to be talked about psychologically um, and things between the lines. Um, it's certainly a movie that's not clear-cut, but with talking to people or even reading reviews, I've read several really good reviews that have picked apart the real essence of the movie that uh, kind of get to uh, the real meanings that that you might not think are on the surface, that you might not see on the surface. And uh, it's certainly a movie that I think might have a longer life than uh, Drive. Um, Drive also, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a good movie. I didn't think it was uh, fantastic when I saw it, but it kind of grew on me. And uh, this movie's, uh, I, I feel like it's going to have a, a longevity to it that uh, that Drive doesn't. I think it's 
probably partly because it's it's going to be rediscovered. It's going to be his his deep cut. Um, Refn, um as a director, you know, he's it's going to be one of his deep cuts. It's going to be something that that people uh, you know, comment back on and they're like, yo, well, you know, that's, that movie was underrated for its time. Well, only God forgives. That's, that is going to be that movie currently in, in one of my favorites of, uh, 2013. And I was actually surprised by it, but, uh, it's something that stuck with me. I, it's been two days and I'm still thinking about it. So, uh, anyway, yes, let's get on with the show. Keith Phipps on the show today on a very special episode of the debatable podcast. Enjoy. Your new site launched a couple Wednesdays ago, right? Or was Dude, it last I week? It's just last week. We're one week, one week and a couple of days old at this point. How does that feel for you? Feels great. I mean, there's a lot of work going into it, and, and it's it's nice to uh, finally get it uh, out there in, in the world. And, and the response has been real. The feedback's been really positive, and, and we're all enjoying what we're doing. So uh, it's good to feel like I don't know. It's good to feel uh, like a real publication instead of this theoretical coming soon. Right. Uh, so, which is it's so it's it's nice to have that actually out there. I feel legitimate. Were were people really kind of like bothering you about what were you going to do next, and and really kind of perplexed about the uh, the exodus from AV Club? What you guys were doing? Yeah, I guess a little bit. I mean, I mean, it's it's um, you know, it's uh, I you know, I have parted ways with the company in December, and I had to figure out what I wanted to do next, and and. Uh, uh, what I really wanted to do was, was focus on film, which I got to do less and less um, at the AV Club because because I had a lot of responsibilities. But what, why I you know it's kind of what I got into this to begin with is I wanted to write film reviews and 
and um, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed writing and editing pieces on on television and comics and and, and music and 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 so on and so forth. But but it's really been nice to return to that focus and to have like a very clearly defined territory that we're going to try to uh, to cover as, as best we can. Were you the main organizer of putting together the venture? Yeah, yeah. I, what what happened was I. I uh, uh, got together with uh, Chris Kasky, who's president of Pitchfork, and we used to work together at, at The Onion years ago. Uh, and I sort of watched with what he what he'd done here at Pitchfork and and the and sort of the the philosophy that seemed to drive it. It seemed like a really good fit. And we started talking, um, you know, around the time that I that I left. And uh, you know, there's months where it wasn't clear what was going to happen and if if it would make sense for for it to happen and. Um, but I, I, I think they liked the idea right away. So I spent some time as a freelancer, but also kind of plotting out what this might look like. And you know, a few a few months ago, we got the green light, and I started uh, reaching out to people to see if that's something they'd be interested in. And I, I'm very happy that people I reached out to wanted to, wanted to come with me. So you say that the idea started with kind of your uh, idea of wanting to write more film. What, what was the, the seed? What was the, the pitch that you had to your partners at Pitchfork? It was basically this, that no one's, there's not really a Pitchfork for film right, right now, which is, is not to say that there isn't a lot of great sites covering film out there, but one that sort of, I, I, I always, I struggle with how to define it, but so I'll, just, I'll, I'll look at what, what Pitchfork does, which is basically kind of a go-to source for, a, for smart reviews, but also news and also commentary. Right. And I originally pitched it as, let's do Pitchfork, but for movies. And, and I think that's still at the heart of what we're doing. But it, with each, each step of the way, we kind of drift a little further away from that, a little more its own thing. I mean, we, we, are, we talked about doing the decimal point review system and having it look a lot like Pitchfork. And really, the more we talked about it, really, it felt like it needed to be its own publication with its own identity. And that's, that's hopefully we've, we've accomplished something that's, we've created something that's very complementary to, our, to uh, Pitchfork, but uh, is its own thing as well. Do you have a, an opinion, just a, a quick aside, do you have an opinion about the uh, decimal point system versus the, the five whatever, five star scale or whatever? Um, I think why, why we ultimately went um, ultimately went uh, with the, the stars. It just it just felt more movie like in a way. Sure. Um, you know, Pitchfork has kind of owned the decimal points for for music reviews, and but it just felt more traditionally movie like, and and we felt more comfortable that way and and, and uh it just and the stars are pretty right yeah, absolutely absolutely i always wondered um because it came up recently in another podcast about uh how you differentiate between say a, a 7.1 and what a 7.5 is or a 7.2 and what a 7.6 is it's just like this i don't know what the chasm is and how much quality difference there is between a 7.2 or a 7.6 I mean, I can't speak to how pitchfork writers work, but I, I know when I was assign, you know, when I'm assigning things, I just go with what feels like, yeah, feels right, and and I, I'm assuming that although there's there's more gradations in that in that scale, you ultimately that if you write enough reviews for pitchfork or or you know just kind of you write the review and you assign it the grade that that feels correct for what you've written, right, and and you know you spend you know how it is, you spend enough time writing something, you're you're going to know 
uh, whether it's a 7.2 or 7.4. Just like, I'm going to know whether it's a, a three and a three and a half star movie. I can, I, also, I can also imagine it being torturous for someone like, like their, their review is a piece of cake to write, but then they're so worried about what the, the actual rating is going to be. There's also the, that I, I, I sometimes feel that the readers spend more time worrying about the grades yeah. than the writers do where, when really, well, I, I can tell you what we really want you to do is read and think about the words. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I think, way. I think you're pinpointing that the main uh, problem is the kind of popularity of aggregate scores like on Rotten Tomatoes and, mm-hmm. and Metacritic because people now they just go by, what does the community say? What's the rating? I'm not going to read the content. Yeah. And it's, it's funny too. Um, because I, you know, when you read Wikipedia things, they'll they'll say this film was well received and it has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of that, and that's the last word, you know. And and sometimes, you know, it'll they'll pull up like Rotten Tomatoes meetings, rate ratings for 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 films, you know, as recently as, as the '90s that they they don't really have a representative sample of, of of the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It's useful as Rotten Tomatoes is, and, and yeah. I, I really like the site. Um, particularly when you get into older films, you, you run into limitations of it pretty quickly. Right. I feel like uh, when, when did you when did you start as a as a critic? So I started writing reviews uh, for the AV Club. Uh, well, here I, I I wrote my I was a junior high film critic. Oh um, boy, <laughs> going all the way back. <laughs> yeah, uh, in the mid eighties. So that'll that'll that'll. that'll so. so- Obviously, over that time period, so much has changed. I got to imagine that, um, to a certain extent, since we're talking about the aggregate scores and how much has changed with the online community, that you're, you 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 and your compatriots are obviously you know uh, deep in considering your work with AV Club and now the dissolve. But I got to imagine with the with social networking, YouTube, podcasting, it kind of makes you. Uh, it, it has to have changed something in the way that your career uh, is um, is received. You know, you, what your industry uh, used to do. It was more of a of a content writing thing, but now it seems like so much of it is give it to me in five ten seconds or less. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, that's thing we're kind of reacting, trying to react against. I mean, we have our we have our star ratings, but we're also writing eleven hundred word reviews of of, of of the films we cover, and and we hope people kind of follow us. And part of what we want to do with the dissolve is is go deeper with with films that really need some unpacking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I really like our review of Pacific Rim. I, I, that's a, that's a nice piece of writing, but I also love that Tasha Robinson did that that piece last week about nine eleven imagery and how right. Pacific Rim kind of sidesteps right. what other films are doing. So, um, I, you know, I, I, we're, we're operating we're operating with the assumption that if if we write longer, deeper pieces, we're going to find a readership that follows us. Mm-hmm. Um, and down there, so uh, I, you know, obviously we're we're also going to be a star. You know, we're going to be in uh, another Rotten Tomatoes rating or another Metacritic rating, and that's fine. That's part of part of the job. But uh, hopefully, once people get under the surface, they're going to find more and, and want to stick around. Right. Well, getting back to the dissolve, how did you get the other writers involved? Because you you kind of went as a band into this. Yeah, I, I asked them. <laughs> yeah, I asked them straight up, do you want to be a part of this? Were they really excited about this this venture? Is that how you enticed them? They were like, yeah, yes, we need yeah. a, a pitchfork for film? Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. I, I think that there are people who wanted to concentrate on, on film as well. These are people that I've worked with for a long 
time and 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 uh, um, you know to be be frank, I, I I missed working with them, and I think to some degree they missed working with me, and that's that's why we're all back together again. But uh, uh, you know, I, I think I think people believe in this project. People who came with me believe in this project. Absolutely. Do you, how do you how do you envision the dissolve? Because it's it's not just. Um if you're going to talk about unpacking things, you're 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 talking about classic cinema. You're talking about contemporary cinema. You're doing uh, an inventory esque uh, feature. You're uh, allowing just yesterday uh, uh, Sam Smith to post about you know a, a a poster series that he's done. So you're doing uh, you're kind of you're you're taking that origin point of of just cinema in general, but you're kind of branching out from that with the dissolve, right? Yeah, we want to do a little bit. Of, uh, we want to we want to do some things people aren't doing and push a little further. And uh, the Sam Smith poster um, feature is is a good example of the kind of thing we want to do because it's uh, I think it's you get a really nice poster out of it, but also uh, his process and some yeah. film history and, and design history in there as well. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Um, were you envisioning that though? Were you thinking, okay, is there anything that I can improve upon from uh, what we were doing at AV Club to kind of, you know, what what is it that that you wanted that wasn't maybe happening there as far as film criticism went? What did you want in with the dissolve? I think there's a few things. One is is one is sort of high minded, which is I wanted a total film site that kind. Yeah. Of Covered everything um, from from beginning to end and, and past and present, and and I find a lot of film coverage tends to be sort of focused on now, 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 and and, and we and that's we want to get a little bigger than that, and, and I don't think that's really how people consume films. I mean, you know, part of what we're doing with like movie of the week is just sort of a shining a spotlight on a film that we want to talk about because people talk about old movies all the time. Yeah, sure. um, the other is is a little more practical in that that. You know, you kind of had to fill in the missing pieces, and, and if Thursday is going to be a big day for reviews, when you run all all the all your reviews, and like if you can do sort of DVD and Blu-ray reviews on Tuesday, which is going to be a, a big deal then. Well, what do you do on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? Yeah, exactly. uh, So it's finding ways to fill fill the space is is. Uh, it's part of it and finding ways that entertain us and hopefully entertain the readers. Absolutely. I think that, you know, the reaction uh, is very positive, at least from my group of uh, friends and the people that I that I am uh, close with that are also uh, avid fans of yours and, and your uh, peers from going back to the AV Club. But I wonder, like, you know, the, the reaction has to be kind of uh, connected also to an inevitable comparison to, to AV Club. And I think that there's got to be there's got to be something familiar, and I think the familiarity is probably with the writers that they're following over to dissolve. But there's got to be a distancing too, right? To make it your own, to make it its unique venture. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we've we've been so we've been conscious about that. I mean, we do Q and A interviews. Uh, AV Club does too, and then that's. The, but you know, they're they weren't they they weren't they weren't the first to do it, and, and, right. and they we won't be the last to do it. But we try to try to put our own spin on things. I mean, one thing we we have consciously avoided is is uh, is doing the inventory style feature because it's just we we've you know we 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 did a lot of that, and that's that's yeah. you know their their territory, right. uh, and it's fine. Um, so you know, we we want to. Um, we definitely want to make it its own thing, and, and hopefully, we've succeeded in doing that. And we'll continue to do so. Right. Uh, I think for, you know people 
on the other hand, you know, we, we write like we write, and, and, and uh, it's, we're not going to reinvent our, our prose style to be in a new publication. Oh, sure, sure. Do you, um, well, considering that AV Club was, were, were your formative years as a, as a critic online, at least, um, do you feel like there were great, great experiences, anything special that you witnessed there that, that you would be able to share with us, the memories that you have from oh, being there? Four hundred years as a, as a critic, as a as a person, as a human being. I was brought, <laughs> I was brought in uh, in 1996 by by former editor Stephen Thompson, who's now at, at NPR. And Stephen not only you know taught me how to be a critic, you know, introduced me to my wife. Nice. <laughs> these are, these are uh, you know I owe a lot lot to him, and, and uh, you know I I, um, I really um, they were all almost entirely good years, and and, and I reflect. Especially fondly on, on the early days um, when the Onion and the AV Club were all in, in one office in Madison, Wisconsin, and it wow. was just kind of um, you know just sort of the the older comedy writers and us were all packed in there together, and you know we'd spend Sunday nights literally putting the paper together, cutting and pasting it. Um, I was you know driving physically driving the paper in. It used to be Stephen, Nathan Raven, and I used to physically drive the paper in at like 2 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday night. And um, it makes me sad because I know the Onion just stopped publishing in Madison, Wisconsin, and, and that was um, hugely important to me, right. that that first print edition where they started, because uh, I moved up there for grad school, and, and, and I um, was staying at a friend's house, and the, my friend was out of town, but uh, he uh, you know, left me a key, and on his bed, he left me a copy of The Onion and said, you, you, should, you should read this. I think you'll, think it, I think you'll like it. Um, oh, so I felt like my, my, my path was kind of set for the moment I arrived in Yeah, Madison. absolutely. Keep connected you know, like to a year later that, uh, when I started writing for them. Do you, uh, do you lament that kind of, that kind of change? How, how you know, obviously, we, we uh, can't do anything about progress, but do, does that, I, I'm sure it, it keeps in your heart as a, as a special time, but do you lament the fact that the tangibility of what you do is kind of, it's gone now, it's all digital? Yeah, I mean, with every, I, with every technological advance, there's been taken away, you know, uh, I, I forget, I forget who it was said, but, you know, you, you, the, the, the invention of the telephone is you know, a huge convenient, but you lose sort of the, the, Intimacy of, of in-person visits from there. So everything, everything is a give and take. And, and um, you know, I, I do. I was. I got into this business to write for a newspaper. Yeah. And I remember the first time I had a review running in, in the AV Club. I remember sort of waiting for the Onion to show up as a as a print thing. And I used to save every copy of it. And I still have a bunch of old, like from the '90s issues of the Onion in my basement. Um, and just in general, I, I mean, I. I don't know. I, I'm assuming this is true, but I, I know what are, I'm assuming that, that people read online and it gets in under their skin the way reading on print used to for me. Yeah, but I hope so. You hope so, yeah. You never know. You know, there's magazines laying around. You pick them up months later. You read, you read things. You you find an article that you forgot about or something. And, and I don't know that that necessarily happens online. So you you know, I'm on the other hand. 
I, I'm an, I'm, I live online now. Right. Uh, I do all my reading online, even to the point of, you know, uh, I have my, my iPad and, and, you know, even like physical books I read much less frequently than I used to, than I read ebooks now. Um, so I've, I've moved with it. You have to move with the times, and, and there's huge advantages. I'm exposed to more writing about film and anything else so I'm interested in on a daily basis, uh, thanks to the internet, than I ever could be in a, in a purely print culture or even. Even um, a uh, half and half print culture. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I feel like uh, I was probably not, I was probably not an AV Club reader going all the way back, but I was there before there was a split. Um, do you feel like the Onion uh, was a hindrance for kind of the, the site being? Uh, given a, a little more respect from the critical community, or do you feel like it actually helped? It was being be associated with a, which a huge, was a huge help for us. Um, in purely in terms of traffic, we absolutely got a lot of traffic online from the Onion Association, uh, from Prestige, because we, you know, the, the Onion uh, was and is a, a tremendously recognized and respected uh, brand. And I felt like always felt like we were philosophically complementary. I felt sure. there was sort of this this uh, healthy skepticism built built into both enterprises. Uh, on the other hand, um, in the early days, I constantly had to explain to people that, <laughs> that the reviews were real. The yeah. reviews were real. I mean, I don't know why anyone would think we would fake a, a twenty five hundred word interview with Robert. Alton. <laughs> it read as funny at all, but but whatever. But I think I think. Once we got out there more and people actually read it, yeah, uh, it was less of a hindrance. But there, there, even even to the end of my tenure there, there, there was still a little bit of explaining to do. Yeah, definitely. And you know, people still call it the Onion Navy Club, even though we removed the whole Onion uh, part of the name back in in two thousand four, two thousand five. Yeah, it's it, it is something that that sticks around. People get into that uh, that uh, pattern. Of uh, that's how it's in their mind. They uh, even for me, I, I think about that. I, I don't really. It took me forever to stop calling it the Onion Navy Club. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You and the rest of the world. <laughs> when it came, like one of the, the the first things since we're talking about the dissolve and and when you go to that web address and you look at it, I, it it hits you visually first, obviously. So you're dealing with something that's. Absolutely, in my opinion, beautifully laid out. It's like an interact interactive uh, magazine. You're 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 leafing through, or or I thought maybe like a re- really expensive car pamphlet <laughs> for a second there. Um, as a compliment, All you right. know, I, yeah, take take it as a compliment. But uh, how much how much input did you or, or any of your peers have with the design of the site, or was that uh, being headed by by Pitchfork? So most of my process was saying, oh, yeah, that looks great. <laughs> I mean, um, we kind of laid out the, the broad strokes. Like I, I knew we need a different layout for days when we have a lot of reviews than for the rest of the week. So that's why we have a different design right now just on Thursdays. But, you know, as, as I guess that could change over once in a while. Yeah. Um, but so there's that. And I said the kind of, you know, the kind of things we wanted to, to do and the – uh, basically, I, I laid out broad strokes, and then the, this design team here is amazing and does amazing things and uh, delivered um, a much more attractive site 
than um, I'd even hoped for. And there's also a matter of I'll find things that need, I feel need, need fixing. Yep. And uh, I'll be told immediately that it's already in progress. Nice. So, nice. Uh, there's a lot of um, in, intuiting what we need before we even realize we need it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing team. Um, and, Do you have any idea where the influence comes from? Like what, what they or what you were going off of when you were envisioning it? You know, uh, with, with the creative director here is Mike Renault, and I, he'd actually be a good guy to talk to um, sometime anyway, just because he's he's really interesting, thoughtful guy. Um, and I, I know, really, I just said, you know, we want something kind of timeless looking, and maybe something that ha- kind of references cinema history past. And now we have this this beautiful logo, <laughs> um, and and sort of a general kind of classic look that also feels a little out of time. Which I like. I like that it feels like a magazine, and mm-hmm. I like that it invites. I think I feel like the attractiveness of it invites people to stick around and, and read instead Absolutely. of fle- fleeing to the next site as quickly as possible. Absolutely, yeah. The design, and even even down to the type, you know, even to the format, uh, the format of it, and and the font, just it definitely does have that uh, reminiscent quality of an older time. Did you? Um, I, I've been noticing that you guys have been doing a lot more long, long form features, probably because, like you said, you know, it's a it's a full time cinema site, so you're you're doing things. I, I saw that this long form uh, uh, Repo Man retrospective that you guys have been doing, um, and I think that you're basically able to do things uh, differently than than AV Club, considering that you're doing these multi-part series, you're getting every writer that's involved in and getting their opinion and doing this kind of Q&A, roundtable thing. Um, is the, with that feature in mind, are there particular features that, that you've been really happy with uh, as, the, as the site has come together? Yeah, I, I, really, Movie of the Week was something I, that, that we worked on early on and um, I wanted to be a signature thing of, of, the, of the site where... We kind of establish it's both first because both because it's fun. Uh, we have a sort of a weekly screening and, and kind of hang out and watch, watch and talk about a movie. That's often the best part of my week, um, work wise. But but um, also because I, I really did want that that depth there, and I wanted um, and I also wanted people to participate. I kind of want, I want our readers to say, oh hey, we're doing they're doing Days of Heaven next week. We should we should watch this so we can join the conversation. And um, I, I like I like communities. I like building. A sense of community, both within the publication, where they're sort of like a hopefully like a happy band of, of coworkers, which we actually I want to get the impression that we're a happy band of coworkers because we actually are. It's we're, we enjoy spending time together That's and great. working together. Uh, but I also kind of want to extend that to the community at large. I want people to feel like they have they have. If you're cur- if you're interested in film, I want them to feel like they you uh, have a home here. Right. Do you think that features like, you know, obviously social networking like Twitter, but do you think features like um, uh, Letterboxd, uh, that website that's kind of a film diary, you're on there. Um, do you feel like things like on Letterboxd and, and Twitter have influenced what you guys want to cover as far as not just like you like you say you're not just covering pacific rim but you will be covering uh, classic cinema do you think that there's a how, how do you gauge the interest how do you know okay well you know we we should do something on on um you know down periscope very much to <laughs> to uh something like um like uh double indemnity how do you know we were doing down periscope <laughs> uh- 
I don't know. I mean, you, it's interesting you bring up Letterbox because I, I found letter, the whole Letterbox enterprise very encouraging because I, I feel like that's 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 those are our readers, even if they don't know it yet. Sure. They, we'll, Absolutely, we'll, we'll try to bring them in. Actually, it's funny you bring that up because we actually have a partnership with them, uh, where Letterbox users will be able to uh, rate movies on our site very oh, that's soon. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, hopefully, within the next couple of weeks. Um, so there's that. It is. It is a perfect, like you say, it's a perfect uh, uh, place for that to to widen out that community because it's obviously they are. You know, you're 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 delivering their crack. You know, uh, th- those junkies want what you have. So they're doing a doing a lot similar there, and uh, it's great that you guys are are partnering partnering up. Did um you know going back since we were talking a little bit about your. Uh, your junior high uh, time. Is that when you started uh, writing? Is that how you got into it? That's my proudest work. Uh, <laughs> I remember for some reason when I was like 10, I don't even know why I went to see this film. I'm not sure if I was like a big Neil Simon fan at 10, but I wrote a review of, of uh, Max Dugan Returns. Nice. Just, just, just why? For some reason. Uh, but, I, you know, obviously the interest was there. Um, and, and, and you know, writing in junior high, I did that for for those two years. And I didn't do anything with film, writing about film um, in any kind of public way at all until uh, the AV club, you know, years later, right went through high school and college and, and one year of grad school. And then, and then I uh, uh, started doing this. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in the Midwest? I grew up in a, in a suburb of Dayton, Ohio called Inglewood, Ohio, nice. on, the, on the north side of, of town. Um, and I went to a lot of uh, video stores. <laughs> was it, was that where it started for you? A lot, watching a lot of movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, 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 I read film criticism very early. I always read like the day I was interested in, interested in movie ads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember finding, um, Siskel and Ebert's at the movies. Nice. I remember the first one I watched was an episode with, with the movie caveman on it nice. and uh, thinking that these guys have the greatest job in, <laughs> in the world because they just got to watch movies. But then I felt from there kind of reading film criticism kind of opened up a bigger world of thinking for, for me. And it's still, um, you know, as an English major in college, so so that, that sort of impulse expanded into literature and, and reading music criticism and everything, but still film, film criticism is a way I find uh, a really satisfying way of exploring philosophical and, and, and issues in the world. Um, through the filter of film. Right, opening up what you might have uh, seen and kind of, uh, it's also placating your what, what might have been on your mind or even things that maybe weren't clear. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's, it's a, uh, a good film is, uh, a, good, a good film can help you clarify uh, such things. Uh, you, know, you know, if you're in the hands of an artist, they can bring, they can bring their view of the world or uh, thoughts on a particular topic into, into focus in a way that makes you think about them in a way that you haven't before. So you knew early on that you wanted to do this? I knew early on that I enjoyed doing it. I didn't think I ever thought I could do it on a professional level. Um, when, did it, and, when did that kind of, when did the, the idea start formulating with you that that's what something you wanted to follow or were you just doing it as a, as a hobby up until college? Well, I mean, I mean, I mean up to like grad school, I was just sort of someone who watched a lot of movies. Um, and you know, I, I ran with a crowd. Uh, we were in high school that, that didn't really go out and, and party. We kind of went over to each other's houses and watch, <laughs> watch movies. And then, right. and then after I had one year of grad school, I got a master's degree in English and I, 
wasn't really enjoying what I was doing or, or thriving there. Um, so I had a year of, oh, what do I do now? Right. So what I did was I, at the end of grad school is when I started started uh, freelancing for the AV Club and the Isthmus, which was Madison's um, alt weekly and, and still is. And how did how did that come about? How did you get in with uh, AV Club and Isthmus? Well, it was, it was I was very fortunate uh, where to go to grad school with the girlfriend of Rob Siegel. Who oh, nice. an editor of the Onion has since gone on to uh, write the wrestler, yep. write and direct big fan, and, and has Turbo out now, which I need to go see. Um, I, I'm I, I Rob remains a very he's like my one. I, I I find one advantage of being here is you don't really have a lot of friends in the industry, right. but but Rob is like my one uh, close. close <laughs> your one your one pinpoint, yeah. Yeah, so I, obviously I, I removed myself as far as possible from writing about anything. <laughs> uh, but uh, I so remember when that when that review of of uh, it might have been the wrestler. I want to say it was big fan came out that there was a disclaimer <laughs> about who was uh, covering it because they wanted to. Uh, you guys wanted to distance yourself from any sort of relationship you did have for, with them. Yeah, I, I didn't feel the need to put a disclaimer this 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 uh, this time around with Turbo, but but that was. Genevieve Koski here reviewed it, and she doesn't know. I think she met Rob once briefly, nice. so I feel like she's she's going to be untouched by right. by the charms of Rob. <laughs> uh, but Rob and I uh, became friends, and we went to see the movie. I met him uh, when I went on a uh, uh, I went out with he and his girlfriend to see the movie Babe, um, and he introduced me to Stephen. Stephen started uh, giving me work, um, and uh, I remember really early on, I had a job interview. Uh, just to be like a technical writer at some place, I didn't even something to do. I was working oh, to back up a little. I was working at a video store. Uh, I took a job at a video store um, at the same time, so I was working at a video store and doing freelance writing. And I had a job interview to place. It looked like I could probably get as a technical writer for for I don't even know what they did. <laughs> I don't know what they did. And one of the conditions was you couldn't do any sort of outside work, any sort of freelance work. And I, I said to Stephen, like, look. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this doesn't seem so good to me. Right. And he said, uh, "Look, I'm telling you, you know, you're you're good at what you do. You should not take this job. You know, and I'm just saying this selfishly because I like working with you, but this will not be good for you." So I kept working at the video store for a year, and Stephen gave me a full time job um, a few months later, and 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 I, I stayed there for a long, long time. Very good. Do you? Um uh, you know, besides this being uh, your your major thing on your plate, the dissolve. Um, do you have uh, interest in in writing books or doing anything in the future like that? Yeah, absolutely. And and and, and when the period when it wasn't clear if I was going to have another full time job, I I, uh, I got some book ideas together and you know toss toss them around. Um, but uh, you know. One thing I learned as a freelancer, it, it, it's tough to make it's tough to make ends meet, as, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. as, you, as you might know already. Uh, so even like you know, a book project is is would still require a lot of hustling on to other stuff on the side. And, and um, I'm really happy just focusing on this for a while. I'm, I'm happy. I I thought being a freelancer was sort of fascinating and challenging. And, and I I like to think if I would have stuck with it, I, I could have. Th- Thrived in that world, but I'm much happier having a permanent home here. And and, and uh, I'd love to spin off some of the some of the things I'm really interested in into books down the line. But this is, you know, this is very much my, my main focus these days. Have you read your your uh, peers' uh, books, uh, Nathan Rabin? I'm thinking about. 
Of course. I read yeah. all these books. Um, I haven't read his Weird Al book yet. I need to read that. Oh, yeah. uh, it arrived in the, in the midst of a, a lot of tumult. Uh, so <laughs> I just haven't read it yet. But, but yeah, yeah. Nathan, uh, uh, Nathan's uh, books are, remain I'm, uh, um, fascinating. Uh, even, though I know, uh, even though I know Nathan very well, I, I still find his books fascinating. I find out things <laughs> about him that I did not know until I read, read his books. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Nathan Raymond fan. Nathan, <laughs> by the way, um, speaking of looking back at that video store, that's how I met Nathan. Is we worked at the video store nice. together. Nice. And yeah, we were roommates for a while too. That's great. It seems like that uh, that generation of writers that was there were all very close knit friends, and it's good that you guys are transferring a lot of that to the dissolve. Also, it's a good yeah. a- it's good atmosphere to to work in. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, there's downsides to working with your friends because you can't just like go on a rage and then and you know, especially yeah. if you're the boss, you just can't go on a rage and 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 uh, tell them everything they're doing wrong and then and then see, and then say, are we still having brunch on Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but we've worked together for a long time, and, and there's sort of the the uh, I think we're, we figured out you know how each other works and and uh, how to work together and still be, still remain friends. Do you have advice for for critics trying to go down into you know the the belly of the beast online. <laughs> well, it's, it's feeling like there's less sort of film criticism is dying conversation going on now, which is, is good. I always thought that was exaggerated, but, uh, but on the other hand, there was that awful period when everyone that wrote for a daily paper seemed to be losing their job. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's harder than ever to make a full time living at this and easier than ever to join the critical conversation and, and have your voice out there. If you, you know, if, if you have something to say, people will notice. Right. Um, I guess the main thing I'd say is is just write and get it out there. It's so easy to get published, you know, uh, to to either your own blog or there are a number of, of fine film publications that that are seem particularly well suited to writers who are just trying to get their name out there. Um, and get on Twitter and talk to people. I mean, you know, that's that's how you and I met, and and that's yep. uh, it's you know, the, the, it's just people that are you know. The people who are doing what we do are not really all that inaccessible, especially in, in, in now with Twitter and everything. Absolutely. Everybody, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a transparency in there. I've been talking about on several episodes how people uh, are able to not just talk to celebrities, but people that, you know, might be in the industry and in the job that they would like to have. You know what I mean? So it's, it is a perfect place to make connections, too. Absolutely. Do you feel like uh, you know that's the, you talking about the the community and bloggers? It kind of brought me back to an idea. Do you feel like bloggers and and um, and Twitter tweet, tweets and um, even Letterbox? It, it seems like everybody calls themselves a film critic now. Do you think that that destroys the respect that that it has for people who who use this as a career? You know, that have this as a as a paid job. Not, you know, I, I'm not really that interested in drawing that huge line between, between right. the pros and the amateurs, or you know, those, um, or the, the pros and the enthusiasts. Especially since I feel like there is a little bit. I, there, the internet isn't a total meritocracy, but I think people that have nothing to say or can't write well yep. or are just obnoxious uh, tend to dis- disappear pretty quickly. Right whereas people who pick up followers and 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 uh, uh, can start and, and join in conversations um, via blogs or or, or Twitter um, actually do have something to say. Yeah. So I, I think I think I don't, I don't know that all the chaff gets sorted out, um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's certainly you know. Um, 
if people are listening to you, people don't have to listen to you. And if they are, it's probably because you have something to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, outside of obviously what your job is, uh, I'm sure you get to see a lot of movies uh, just that you're going to be writing about. But how do you spend your, your downtime? Is there, are there, do you get time to watch a movie you really want to watch on your own? Or what, what are your passions outside of your work? I really uh, have to fold as much of what I want to watch into my job. So frank, thankfully, we have, I have a job where it's easy to like, oh, I want to watch this, so let's find a way I can turn that into a piece. Yeah. You know? um, because a lot of my downtime is taken up with, with, uh, with my family. I've, I've got a, a wife and a, and a two-year-old. And oh, wow. if you want to see uh, all your leisure time drain away, <laughs> Uh, have a kid, <laughs> uh, which is a, I regret not at all. I, 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 I love every moment I spend with my with my daughter, uh, but yeah, I, I, you don't realize how much free time you have until until you have a child. I mean, my wife and I used to you know blaze through series, you know, whole sets of whole TV series on DVD over a weekend, and um, I used to read more than a book every three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping at some point uh, we get a little of that time back. But uh, uh, but yeah, it, it's 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 tough to squeeze in as much as you want to. And I perpetually, perhaps, I may just be a professional hazard, but I perpetually feel like I'm behind on, on movies. Sure. Um, perpetually, and and and, and um, you know, there's a lot of my job at the AV Club was not related to movies. So I know there's huge blind spots, even for, even within my professional career, right. uh, filmmakers and movements that, that, uh, that I just, I need to catch up with or just admit I will never catch up with, <laughs> which I have a hard time doing. There is a point of, of adulthood. I, even I experience it and I, I don't have a, I don't have a family, but I have this feeling like, you know, there's so much uh, split between how much time you actually have in a, in a day and in a week. And uh, I am too getting to that point where uh, that TV series, that movie, uh, that that director's uh, a movie, uh, a canon, which is thirty films deep or whatever, or a video game or whatever, that I am just not going to be able to experience that. Yeah, and it, it gets more pronounced as you get older. Uh, I'm forty now, and 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 uh, I'm I'm not. My mind doesn't constantly turn to, to immortality. But, uh, to, to <laughs> constantly turn to mortality, but but yeah. at the same time, I was like. I may not get to that before I die. Yeah. You know, these things, yeah, yeah. These things, you realize that there is a certain a finite amount of time you have, and, and you have to be selective. And uh, it gets and it gets harder with the saturation. Who 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 would have thought that uh, that uh, TV was going to get as good as it is? I know exactly. And, and <laughs> even now, I, there is there is actually too much good television <laughs> right now, and, and there are many fine programs that I have I have never seen. Um, yeah, and 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 I I feel like. In some ways, I need to be even more selective about television than before because I, I want to focus on film. Absolutely. Well, Keith, um, I am a big fan of you going all the way back to AV Club, and I'm a big fan of The Dissolve now. Um, I definitely, every, every, everything that I've seen on there and read, I've just, uh, I, I like what you guys are doing, and uh, the mission statement uh, speaks to me. So uh, all the best of luck. I hope it keeps going uh, strong. Thanks, and let's, uh, let's stay in touch. Absolutely. I would love to have you on again, talk about movies, and not just do the, the regular origin story type thing. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Keith. All right. Talk to you later. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Some or all of the music on today's podcast was brought to you by MusicAlley.com. If you liked any of the music, links to the artists and their songs are in the show notes. Music.